the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. As you work your way through the book of Esther, you come away with a marvelous story of righteousness and wrongs being righted. But upon further examination, you also come away with beautiful pictures and typologies of the righteous rule of Christ and the joy of his presence and glory. That is what we're looking at here today on this edition of Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stand. We're in Esther chapter 8, verses 1 through 17. It's our final look at our message called, God Hath Highly Exalted Him. Join us, won't you? Here's Pastor Jessica Stand and today's broadcast of Way of Grace. The very person that can save me is the one that's damning me. Is that what our narrative is teaching? Gloriously. Somebody got to stand in the gap for you. Somebody got to fight in higher places than you can reach. There's somebody got to love you more than you love yourself. They got to mediate for you. They got to intercede for you. They got to take your place. Bless God for Mordecai and Esther. Isn't that right? Bless God for Mordecai and Esther. Here it is. Here it is. We look at chapter, uh, uh, point number one in uh, chapter eight, verses one and two, and we see that love gives unto its object everything that it needs in order that the object of its love might thrive and survive. See, I just, I am so impressed with Xerxes because he gets it. Now, now stay with me. He's a man, just like we're men and women. And he makes mistakes like we all make. You going to throw him under the bus because he makes mistakes? If you do, you got to get under the bus with him. See, be careful that you don't walk around with a kind of self-righteous prism. Be honest now. Don't you choose wrong friends from time to time. And don't they betray you and don't they turn their back on you. And have you not failed your friends from time to time? Have you not woke up realizing I did it wrong? I messed up. And you got to go back and fix it. And doesn't it take grace to go back and fix it? I'm telling you, Xerxes, he gets it. Listen, when that brother got up the other day during the party, because you know he liked the party. When he got up the other day, when he took his drink out with him, he was just thinking, now this dude lied to me. And then he drew out all the implications. And you know what he said before he went in? I'm going to fix this. I'm going to fix this. See, that's what grace allows you to do. Grace doesn't keep you from making mistakes. Grace graces you to fix those mistakes. And that's what Xerxes is doing. He's fixing it. He's fixing it. Point number two. Let's keep it going. Point number two. Reverse the curse upon my people. Now, what you don't know is that verses three through five, which we're about to read, read, is the next test of Esther. Because her husband has freely given her the right to kill Haman and to take out his house. 
But that didn't solve the ultimate problem for which she came to him. And this teaches us again about the nature of love, which I really don't think we fully get in Western Christianity. See, love is not about you. Esther didn't go into the presence of the king the first time for her. She got to go back this time. She got to pull that card out, doesn't she? She got to swipe that card again and see if it'll pay off, not for her now, but for her people. Here it goes, verse 3. Notice what verse 3 says. And Esther spake again before the king and fell down at his feet and besought him with what? She was serious, wasn't she? I love Esther and also I love the king because they're real people to me. They're real people to me. Real people to me. The king has a kind of love that's immutable. In other words, if he loves you, you're good. That's the kind of person you want in your life. You want people who love you with a, a, a steadfast love, a consistent love that can endure your foibles, that can handle your mistakes, that don't just take the credit card back because you looked at them the wrong way. Y'all understand what I'm getting at? And that's how God is with us. He's not going to take the credit card back just because you looked the wrong way, just because you woke up with an attitude and you forgot to pray. You know how some days you forget to pray, oh Lord, I forgot to pray today? God's good with all that. He's not going to take the credit card away. Some of y'all going to get that in a moment. He's not going to take the credit card away. He's going to still let you come to him and pray for what you need, and God's going to come through because God's a good God anyway. Is that true? Don't you frequently thank God for doing stuff for you that you didn't even ask for? And you definitely need need to be thanking him for doing stuff for you that you don't deserve because you'll be messing it up. I'm going to tell you, you'll be messing it up. You'll be messing. You'll be, you really need to worship God more. You need to thank God more. You need to pursue him more radically. And he still blesses you in your raggedy response to him. He's just like Xerxes. He's going to give you the card because he loves you. My prayer is that you learn how to take the card and slide that card. Make your request known unto God. Call upon the Lord in the time of trouble. He will hear you, you will glorify him, and he will deliver you. Won't he do it? Will he come through? You better learn how to use that card. God help my people. Listen to what she says. She falls down at his feet with tears to put away the mischief of Haman the Agagite and his device that he had devised against the Jews. Then the king held out his golden scepter towards Esther. So Esther arose and stood before the king. Stop at verse 4. Just, just want to mark this right quick. He's the same dude now that he was a chapter ago. He's the same dude now that he was two chapters ago. Whenever he sees that, go- that girl, that scepter goes out. Girl, come on in here. Ugh. What a God, whoever liveth to make intercession for us, for whom the throne of grace is always open for his people to come. There's not one text of scripture that tells you that God is not available. Not one text of scripture. His scepter is held out all the time for you that are his. Is that true? In fact, God wants you to come, and most of the time you don't come. That's how you get in trouble because you're working it out yourself instead of going to the counsel of God, talking to God about it, and then asking for help to work it through. See, really, God is about fellowship. He's about communion. He lets you get in trouble because he likes talking to you. Some of y'all going to get it in a moment. 
Right. He lets you get into trouble because he's like, oh, oh, how you doing? I see you ain't hollered at me in a minute. I, I think it must have been going well because I ain't got a text. I ain't got a car. I ain't got an email in three months from you. Now that you're in trouble, you want to talk. That's okay. I'm glad to have you on the phone. I've been waiting on you. So what's going on, sister girl? What's going on, brother? Holler at me. I'm glad to be here. I ain't got nothing else to do but talk with you as long as you want to talk. See, so Xerxes is used by the Spirit of God to carve out a noble king representing our God and representing our Savior in his love for his bride, the church. Now notice what she says, and this is the other principle we want to get. Verse 5 says, and she said, if it pleased the king and I found favor in your sight and the thing even be right before the king and I be pleasing in your eyes. In other words, can I have a credit card again? <laughs> Do you see it? <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. God help us to get it. This is the mutual love honor relationship between dignitaries, right? The king always loves her and she always honors the king. She never presumes upon the king. She goes to him with him as the preference of their relationship. Y'all got that? That your will, my love, be the primary thing. I got issues, but I want to make, make sure first that I'm all right with you. See, relationship has to actually be the foundation for the engagement, for the activity. You can't always just petition God. You got to let him know he's good. You got to let him know he's righteous. You got to let him know he's holy. You got to let him know he's merciful and kind and gracious and, and, and plenteous in goodness. That's how we pray, right? Don't we first start with doxology? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with the glory of the Lord. Lord, you are good and you are worthy to be praised. There is none like you in all the earth. Bless your holy name. I worship you and adore you for who you are and what you do. Now I need some help. Right? Right? That's how we pray. That's how we pray. Because we're more concerned about the relationship than the revenues we can get from God. But we got his shoes. Here's what she says. She says, I need you to reverse the letters devised by Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, which he wrote to destroy the Jews which are in all the king's province. For how can I endure to see the evil that shall come unto my people? Or how can I endure to see the destruction of my kindred? I love it. Right. This woman is filled with the multiple layers of honor that I'm talking about. She's driven by the various facets of honor that she knows she must engage. She knows she must honor the king because she's married to him. But she also knows she's a Jew. And that means she's not isolated to herself. She's completely connected to the people of God. And I told you this last week, church folk don't get it. You can't think you will thrive in this world by yourself. You cannot, you cannot think you will reach your highest levels of success in God cut off from the body of Christ. It's not possible for you to think that you are utterly pleasing to God when you neglect the rest of the body. It does not work. It does not work. You, the Lord taught me this in about 19, 
82, 83, he taught me because I had fallen prey to the stupidity in my ignorance as a young man early on, 20, 21 years old, 22 years old, that, yeah, I can do Jesus all by myself. And so my wife and I, with a few other knuckleheads, we traversed Christianity on the outside of the church, thinking that we were better than everybody else, just as ignorant as buffoons, just as ignorant as all get up. And, and so we, we, we did the wilderness for two or three years. Guess what we discovered? We were no better than the folks on the inside of the church. We did the same thing on the outside of the church that folk did on the inside. The Lord woke me up one day, said, brother, you're no better than them. I will bless you more on the inside than I will on the outside any day. Because really, this is about humility. It's not about you. Are you hearing me? And so our Lord taught us in Acts chapter 9, when he came up on Saul, he said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He made no disassociation between himself and the body of Christ. As jacked up as we are, we are his. You got that? We are his. What I discovered when God put me on the inside, he put me on the inside. He taught me I had a calling on the inside. And when he showed me my calling, I thrived. I said, now look at the Lord. Look at the Lord. He will not show you what is really yours in Christ until you humble yourself before him. And when you're talking about serving the Lord, the first place you must serve him is in his body. In his body. Do you guys understand that? It is why the woman will be forever known everywhere in the world. Because she broke in on that male ruhaha with her alabaster box of ointment and said, I'm going to do it anyway. I love him too much not to do it. He's the center and object of my affection, and I'm going to worship him anyway. And she worshiped Christ by anointing his what? His what? His what? His body. And that's what we're called to do, be a blessing to the body of Christ. You know what Esther says? If they die, I die. See, in all of their afflictions, he is afflicted. You see the doctrine of union here? Do you see the doctrine of union? That it's not possible for me not to bear the infirmities and the weaknesses and the struggles of the rest of the members of the body of Christ and call myself a member of the body. Let, come up here, any one of you, and let me slap you upside your head. And let's see just how much the rest of your body responds. Let me just step on your toe. And watch what comes out your mouth. Which comes from your heart. That's attached to all of the corpuscles and veins and muscles that run to your brain. That receive the instruction that the whole body has now been assaulted. Watch what comes out your mouth. In the name of, you just stepped on my toe. Did you get it? Right, and you will never ever reach your highest blessing until you humble yourself and recognize that you can't choose what you want to do for God. You cannot choose what you want to do for God. You've got to do what God wants you to do for him. So hit your knees and say, Lord, tell me what to do. And when you say that right, you will have met the sovereign Lord in the same way that Saul did. Because when God knocked him down and showed him that he had seen Saul long, long ago, 
When Saul opened his mouth, you know what he said? Lord, tell me what to do. See, Saul was on the outside too, beating up on the church, wasn't he? Next thing you know, he's a minister to the body of Christ. And all our sisters doing is mediating between the two. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 11, and then 13 and 15. I want to show you the illusion that our account is developing here. Now, ladies and gentlemen, if you're even remotely asking the question, what does this have to do with you? It may have nothing to do with you. Or it may have everything to do with you. And that all depends upon whether or not you have a real relationship with God. I mean, a real one. Not just talk, not just theory, not just philosophy. I'm talking a real walk with God. Because if you do, when you love somebody, you care about what that person cares about. Is that true? Right. So this is the thing you and I got to work through. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of what? Right. So the sanctifier and those that are sanctified are unified by the one. Right. So there, here's a, what we call a triad here. The sanctifier is Christ. The people are the ones who are being sanctified. And we're all connected to the Father through the Son. Can y'all see that? He is the source for which cause he is not ashamed to be called their what? Ah. See the connection? In their suffering, he suffered. He sanctified himself in order that we might be sanctified. Is that what Esther is doing right now? Is she sanctified? Has she set herself apart to come into the presence of the king? Once again, she's coming in without him having put out the scepter first. She's endangering her life for her people because she's sanctifying herself on their behalf. Now look at verse 14, 13, verse 13. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the what? Children whom the Lord hath given me. This here, here is an allusion to Jesus and his people. Is that right? And notice what it says, I will put my trust in him. I will put my trust in him. Is Esther now exercising an act of faith? She certainly is. And faith always works by what? It always works by what? Verse 14, here it is. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through what? He might destroy him that had the power of what? That is who? Haman. Haman, right? Haman, this sister hazarded, hazarded her life that the enemy of her people might be destroyed. Now she's going after the seed, and now she needs to seek petition to bring her children, to a, her people to a place of thriving and surviving a decree of judgment. Because you see, the text tells us that Haman laid hands on them. Isn't that what it said? Do you guys remember that in the reading? Listen to it. The, the text tells us that Haman laid hands on her. Listen to verse 7 of our text. Then the king Ahasuerus said unto Esther the queen and to Mordecai the Jews, Behold, I have given Esther the house of Haman, and him they have hanged on the gallows. And I'm going to develop this more next week. But notice what it says. Because he laid hands upon the Jews. Now, this here another, is another argument for you to study your Bible carefully. Because he didn't put his hands on any Jew physically. But this is where the proverb comes into play. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it will eat the fruit thereof. Remember what came out of his mouth? Death to the Jews. And because he had authority as a king, and that's how you set that context, because everybody doesn't have authority to speak death in people's lives, so forget that nonsense, okay? 
you have to actually have authority. And that authority was in the civil context. In fact, it was Solomon who said that in the proverb, and Solomon was a king. He knew the power that a king had to send people to death and to save people alive. Is that right? So we want to keep it, we want to keep it contextually correct. You and I don't have the power to just speak death into people's lives and speak life into people's lives. You are a God. And I'll tell you what, you don't want to occupy that space. You don't want to occupy that space. You better hurry up and give it to God. Let God do the killing and let God do the saving. And you be the one asking him to give you. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? So very important. So Haman laid hands on them by getting the king to do what he wanted to do, which uh, again, just for the record, the crafting of the language in your text demonstrates that the king was not at all privy to who it was that Haman wanted to destroy. And thus Esther is never ever directly blaming it on the king. Is that right? Do you guys see that in your text? This is called prudence. This is why I told you when you are really taking honor seriously, honor is discreet. Honor is discerning. Honor is discriminating. Honor is respectful. Honor never flatters. Honor will be controversial, but it will never flatter. Honor will never ever flatter wickedness. What she never does is blame the king directly because he was hoodwinked by a friend. And when you're in arguments with somebody and debates and conflicts with somebody, please learn how to distinguish between direct offense on a part of someone or indirect offense. Because sometimes people will be in a way with you and not really know it. You got to distinguish between the people that are shooting arrows directly at you and the other folks that are stepping on you after the arrows are shot. Now, both of them hurt. Don't get me wrong. But there's a difference between the direct hit of animus and hostility and antipathy on the part of your enemy and your friend doing something stupid like Judas Iscariot did when he says, Lord, I won't ever let that happen. There's no way I'm going to let you go to the cross. There's no way I'm going to let you go to the cross. There's no way. And began to rebuke Christ. Well, he was working for the devil right then and there, wasn't he? And Christ spoke through him to the devil and says, Satan, get thee behind me. You don't savor the things of God, but the things of men. You understand the difference? Do you understand the difference? And that's what our text is teaching us. And so let's continue to work through our outline. We only have a few more points that I wanted to get. So she is asking for him to reverse the curse because she cannot bear the consequence. We already learned last week. She says, you know, honey, listen, if they were to just be slaves, I'm cool with that. But here's something I want you to know. While you and I are working through the narrative of the principle of intercession and petitioning on the part of Esther and Mordecai, time is elapsing. Because remember, the indictment was given about a year earlier that on the 12th month, on the 13th day of the 12th month, they should be destroyed. In our text now, we have it clear that we are about three, almost four months into that indictment. That means we've only got about seven or eight months to go before the judgment. In other words, everybody in Shushan and all the way through the lands are realizing that the Jews are going to be exterminated. Everybody's struggling. Esther is not happy simply because Haman is dead, because the decree has gone forth. We got to stop the decree. And that is gospel all in itself. 
Well, time permits us to go no further. You have been listening to Way of Grace, the daily radio ministry of Grace Bible Church in Hayward, featuring our teacher and pastor, Pastor Jessica Stand. It is our prayer as we come to you daily on this broadcast that you're growing in grace, that you're growing in your love and adoration of Jesus Christ. That's the goal and the intent here at Way of Grace, that we might understand the amazing love of God in Christ. If you would like to obtain a copy of today's program, you've got a couple of ways you can do that. CDs are $5. Simply call or write to us and we'll send one to you. Or if you're internet savvy, simply stop by our website and you can download the audio file in MP3 version and that one's free. Grace-Bible.com is our website. That's Grace-Bible.com. And again, if you're willing to write to us or contact us by phone, if you would like the CD, simply do so at 510-886-9782. Again, that phone number is 510-886-9782. The address, if you're writing to us, is 22768 Main Street. That's here in Hayward. The zip code, 94541. And again, remember, the CD is $5, or simply stop by grace-bible.com and download the MP3 version for free. We would also invite you to join us for worship here at Grace Bible Church in Hayward. Sunday services are at 11 a.m., Sunday schools at 10 a.m. And don't forget, from a variety of churches and from all over the Bay Area, we have enjoyed a marvelous time of studying God's Word Friday evenings here at Grace Bible Church at 8 p.m. For the directions and the details, simply go to our website, grace-bible.com. That's grace-bible.com, or call 510-886-9782. Also, as the Lord leads, we're able to come to you here on KFAX, in part through your financial and prayerful involvement with this ministry. Now, while it's free for you to listen to, it does incur a cost on our end, and we look to the Lord for his gracious provision. And if you'd like to participate in that, then please do get a hold of us. Any donation, no matter how big or small, is greatly appreciated here at Way of Grace. 510-886-9782 is our phone number. Thank you for spending time with us today. Until next time, God bless. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.